Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Startup Operators Weekly Roundup. This has been a really interesting week with the government actually asking EV manufacturers to stop production of new models with the ongoing cases of two wheelers catching fire around the country. And I think one of the most anticipated item for this month was the launch of ONDC, which recently went live across five cities in India. Flipkart has opened up its logistic arm eCart uh, e for other e-commerce players to make use of, and Swiggy has launched a new career accelerator program. for its delivery executives for them to take up managerial roles but before we get started if this is the first time you are tuning into the weekly roundup don't forget to subscribe hit like and drop a comment as to how you enjoyed the show and uh, roshan as always thanks for joining us and i think the biggest news from the week was of course elon musk acquiring twitter yeah it's pretty remarkable you know the billionaire shit poster and uh, <laughs> the iron man of our times has uh, done it you know i mean i i was so Stoked actually when I uh, heard of it. It it still is going to take time, right? I mean, I think the deal is going to come through in uh, October of uh, this year, and there's uh, a lot that can happen in the interim period. Although the board has accepted the proposal at I think fifty four dollars. Balaji Shrinivasan had a, a pretty interesting article on how Elon should launch something called an Elon Coin for all of the Twitter users, right? And make this more about make this more than the American policy and. American establishment because I think he's got a very valid point. I mean, considering that the mainstream American establishment right now, all of them are pretty unanimously against uh, Elon, you know, acquiring uh, Twitter. Uh, right? It might be an uphill battle for him to like go one up against them. Right? Instead, I think he should make it larger than that. Fantastic article. Uh, do check it out for sure. It's, it's remarkable, you know. I mean, Elon recognizes that Twitter is the modern digital public sphere. Right? Uh, it's the it's the it's the uh, town center basically, right? And uh, even by numbers, I mean, if you look at it, they have probably three hundred fifty million users, which is you know definitely less than Facebook, which is probably at three million users right now, right? Or even some of the others, uh, right? But Twitter has an inordinate amount of influence, you know, with the the kind of personalities and the kind of content that uh, gets generated and stuff, right? So it is the nerve center of news for the current age. Uh, and and I think that's what makes it lucrative, right? And uh, uh, Elon seems to be like a classical libertarian liberal types, right? So he believes in absolute freedom of speech, uh, at least that is that which is guaranteed by the Constitution. And uh, uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, there were very uh, you know extreme reactions uh, on Twitter, uh, where mm-hmm. most people, um, I mean, there there were some of them who said that you know they're going to quit Twitter, Twitter and. Whatnot. But I think that's like a phase that always comes and goes, right? With any. Yeah, I mean, I, so he also posted a, a meme, right? I mean that um, you know that the left over the last four or five years has become so extreme left that even someone like him, who you might consider a classical liberal, is uh, almost right of center today. And I think a lot of people identify with that, um, you know, with this whole cancel culture uh, prevailing and stuff, right? So, but anyway, I mean, interestingly, from a product and a startup perspective, I think it's excellent. I've always talked about you know the potential for Twitter to become really amazing, like a sound business as such. And uh, you know, why Elon is a genius, he's also a very calculative businessman, right? And I think he will probably make Twitter uh, you know realize that full potential of uh, uh, the platform. You know, so so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it'll also it it won't be as straightforward, you know, because I think if you look at Elon's other accomplishments. These are science, right? I mean, this is all science-based. Whether it's Tesla or SpaceX or SolarCity or whatever else, right? Um, and so, the externalities were were different. I think the externalities in this case 
you know, which is uh, the fact that, you know, platforms have long become publishers right now uh, and this whole freedom of speech, how do you moderate it, etc. Will, will be a super difficult challenge. It will be a different challenge. I'm not saying it's a, you know, it's a bigger challenge than trying to colonize Mars, right? Of course not. But it's a different challenge. And I think he has a right attitude about it. I mean, which is that I'm going to make this algorithm uh, open source, right? I'm, I'm going to put it out there for everyone to see what what gets promoted by which I think is, is fair. I think it's the beginning of a very important step, I think. So, so yeah, I mean, that will be really interesting. Also, we had really uh, good uh, GSC collections. Uh, you know, April, uh, I think it was something like 1.6 lakh crores or something like that, uh, which is a phenomenal indication of uh, the formalization of the economy, uh, right? Some of them attributed to inflation, etc. But I think no doubt about it that uh, the one nation, one tax, uh, you know, benefits are going to kick in. Um, right, so so that, and um, I'm also excited about the LIC IPO that's uh, coming oh, up. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. but interestingly, so um, the LI, I think the valuation was dropped from sixty-five thousand crore to twenty-one thousand. No, the plan to raise twenty-one thousand crores again. So um, they're going to dilute about five uh, percent uh, to raise about twenty twenty thousand plus crores. And look again, LIC is such an important business. You know, people don't quite realize. Uh, if you combine the entire insurance industry together, still I don't think so. The market share will be more than that of LIC. Yeah, they, they have some 65% market share, right? Which is phenomenal. And think of insurance. Nobody really wakes up one fine day and says that, you know, I want to buy insurance, right? right? I mean, it's not that kind of product. It's not bought, it's sold, right? right? And uh, so, yeah, LIC spent a ton of their time, money, resources, evangelizing uh, life insurance in uh, India, right? So right. much so that, you know, it's synonymous with life insurance and not just insurance, you know, I mean, LIC, you know, was perhaps the only financial instrument that people knew for a long, long time. Funnily enough, last week I had a call from an LIC agent who said that they'll quadruple my money, right? 4x my money. I said, so in what time? And, you know, she said 25 years and that ended our conversation, uh, you know, pretty <laughs> abruptly after that. But... Uh, but yeah, I mean, and if you look at the assets under management as well, right? I think there's something like 25 lakh crore rupees yeah. of assets under management. And this AUM goes into very strategic things, right? I mean, more than 50% of it goes into government-backed securities and stuff. So this is the money that is funding your roads, electricity, power, all your infrastructure and stuff, right? So which is a great contribution to the nation. And and also LIC's cash has been used to stabilize the markets as well uh, right. and fluctuate when fluctuations happen and so on. So yeah, it's a remarkable entity and, you know, our libertarian friends will uh, think that, you know, governments uh, should not have a play, part to play in business and so on. But there are few exceptions and um, LIC is a glorious exception in that sense, right? I mean, it's a very amazingly run business, right? If it's been able to maintain its sort of a competitive uh, advantage even after 15-20 years of private players yeah. stepping in. Yeah. But you know one thing which I think LIC has really set the a global benchmark so to say is the way they have really engaged with their agents right mm. because I still remember uh, when I was a kid my relatives would come for this family <laughs> gatherings right and they used to have discussions with my mom and dad saying hey have you bought an LIC policy for your, for your son or for your daughter. Yeah. I mean every family has that one person who is like Selling LIC <laughs> policies, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I had a few as well in my. Yeah, I uh, think uh, today family. they have close to two and a half, three lakhs of 
amazing agents, yeah three lakh agents and those were the first micro entrepreneurs right so the significance of lic is huge for india cool so uh, hopefully i mean you'll subscribe right? <laughs> oh yes fingers crossed maybe you will get the uh, allotment this time well let's see <laughs> let's let's not let's maybe not 14th time is the charm <laughs> All right, but let's move on to the uh, news from this week. So, Union uh, Transport Minister has issued a circular to all EV manufacturers in, in India, asking them to stop production of launching any new models of two-wheelers in the country. Now, this is of course, um, you know, with rising concerns over two, EV two-wheelers catching fire all around the country. They've also voluntarily, uh, they've also asked uh, companies to voluntarily recall the entire batch if a vehicle catches fire. And of course, you know, there could be a lot of issues for this uh, we discussed this in a last roundup as well where one of the primary concern could be you know the entire design of the lithium ion battery pack which right. is really not conducive to the indian weather conditions as well as the road conditions right but you know thinking about it it, it also really boils down to the supply chain of these battery packs because this entire ev revolution in india came in like a gold rush right everyone and anyone wants to get a piece of that pie likewise from investors from car manufacturers as well which really put a lot of burden into how these batteries were being sourced mm. right and of course the demand went up the fame subsidies uh, kicked in which kind of incentivized manufacturers to like you know using the same design how much more battery power can you pack into it yeah. and of course like when there's such rapid development going in of quality control definitely takes a hit Yeah. but right time I and mean, we saw four i mean four was the number that we know of of the number of two wheelers that got fire but oh, this really more than that yeah but this really becomes a a point of concern because i mean of course the rise in fuel prices ev yeah. is definitely going to come in way before than we anticipated yeah see ev is deep tech right and deep tech you can't really you know do this whole fail fast and um, you know let's put out a, an absolute shitty mvp out there and test mm. and iterate you can't do that right and especially when you talk about real world stuff like automobiles and things like that right i mean the downside of your you know experimenting can um, can have huge huge risks uh, associated with it look a couple of folks like ather and ultraviolet are really serious about this right and they have been building for you know ather has probably been building since 2013 or something right ultraviolet i know have have been building from 2015 now these guys have invested a lot of time and effort and resources in really building the tech out right i'm afraid i mean the others have taken sort of an easy route out right and have kind of imported bikes from china bikes or batteries from uh, elsewhere and have you know tried to like customize it for the indian context and setting and what not right uh, i'm not sure if you know that is the way out i'm not sure if that will really work as well for us um but let's hope that you know people are take this a lot more seriously and uh, the union minister mr gadkari had posted a tweet thread as well right uh, so there's going to be some consequences to not doing a good job in this also i mean it's it's again it's very early so the policy and the regulation again has to catch up so there are plenty of these loopholes that people are kind of operating in but you know i really hope as i mentioned in the previous episodes as well that you know people don't sully the pond you know ev is super super important for us you know not just from a consumer perspective even if we have to meet our climate goals you know that we have promised during the cop uh, climate summit and all of the all of that stuff ev can be really significant right india can be a leader in ev and let's hope that all of this does not set back the consumer adoption as such yeah but also this whole demand in ev tech and of course as a solution to this battery problem is not only that okay, we need to find another viable replacement for lithium ion batteries right because that will take some time and some serious r&d 
what do you think would be other pro like other solutions to this problem like one which i can think of at the top of my head is this whole connected technology which you see in a mobile phone yeah. right um so a lot of innovation can happen in this space as to like hey you know how your battery is getting charged what's the temperature yeah. all of these information can be passed on to the user yeah. No, I mean the amount of electronics in automobiles have been growing, going up like significantly, right? I mean today you can't even imagine uh, like a mechanical, mechanical uh, automobile as such, right? I mean it's a fair amount of electronics and amount of data that the bikes are picking up as well. I mean uh, we we spoke about Ola, which put out a, a statement based on the data that they picked up on the vehicle that caught fire, right? Yeah. Uh, so they had data around you know how much uh, torque and you know how much speed the vehicle was going at, etc. Now this is all real-time data, so so there is plenty of data available, and I'm sure that they're picking it up, and I'm sure that they're iterating and everything. Essentially, I mean, quality control is a key thing in um, you know in, in this, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, Elon Musk has done a fabulous job with Tesla, but I think yeah. Tesla is perhaps the only company that has been able to do it at scale at that pace. But I think right? Tesla also had its uh, learning exactly. Even they the had the learning days, curves yeah. and everything, and Tesla is what 18 years old. Right, yeah. uh, so they've had their share, fair share of troubles, but uh, for for the rest of them, right, manufacturing is is not like a software business. I'm afraid you can't go into it thinking of this whole fail fast methodology, right? I mean, it's it's impossible to do it that way. You can't like regularly push updates uh, to fix. Uh, no, you yeah. may very well push software updates and everything, mm-hmm. but quality control and testing is a huge, huge, huge thing. You can't do it on an ongoing basis. Right, it has to be good and done right. when you ship it out, right? And that's what we're realizing. I mean, even if it's you know one bike out of a thousand that screws up like this, it's very very risky, you know. Right. Yeah. So at the beginning of the month, we were talking about how the government plans to you know officially launch the ONDC platform in a couple of cities, and I think last week on Friday they formally announced that the pilot phase went live in five cities, which includes Delhi, NCR, Bangalore, Bhopal, Shillong, and Coimbatore. Now. Of course, uh, we have discussed this couple of times that the entire plan for ONDC is to break down the monopoly of the e-commerce giants of you know uh, Flipkart and Amazon, and offline also. Before we started recording this uh, show, Roshan, you, you were you sounded very optimistic about yeah. what ONDC is going to do yeah. for for nation building. Absolutely. So yeah, you... see, I think ONDC is going to do for businesses what Aadhaar and UPI have done for individuals, and I'm so happy and so positive about this. Because if you look at India, right? I mean, it's a huge informal economy. We have so many traders, uh, so many shops and merchants and everything, right? Now, all of them can leverage the power of e-commerce, right? And they don't have to depend on an Amazon or a or a Flipkart or whoever else to you know sort of uh, help them with this transition, right? Although, I mean, let me let me say this, right? Amazon and Flipkart have done a fabulous job in building this category, right? Uh, and changing consumer mindset and building infrastructure, all of those things. Right, we owe them a huge debt. But having said that, you know, we should have open protocols for for something as essential as this. I mean, you know, after the after the pandemic, especially, we've realized, you know, how much of retail is is moving to the door doorstep delivery and stuff. Right, I mean, right. Is, is moving to e-commerce. So ONDC is one of those things that uh, will completely transform e-commerce. Right, again, we've spoken about it earlier, but. Roughly, what it means is it'll have open network and protocols to allow buyers and sellers transact irrespective of what platforms they belong to, yeah. right? And there will be logistic infrastructure, supply chain, warehousing, so on and so forth, right? I mean, all of this will be available on an open platform. Uh, sorry, open network. And um, one thing that's really heartening to note about 
india's policy making right whether it is aadhar upi fastag you know account aggregators framework you name it i mean these are population level transformation and changes that is happening right i mean it's so inclusive and it's happening in a very decentralized fashion which is the opposite of you know how policy making was you know back in the day right i mean right. typical bureaucratic babudam as such and think of it right i mean it's all technology led right we're talking about stacks and protocols we're not talking about like farmans right we're not mm. talking about laws and regulation as such which is remarkable i'll tell you i mean it's like i don't think any country in the world has been able to do it as much right in that fashion at that scale uh and and think about think about the fact also that you know it's very ecosystem driven right i mean the, we you know we talk about fintechs regularly on the on the podcast how many of these fintechs are leveraging the upi stack right now mm. you know so many of them and similarly you know for for all of the other protocols that be established as well whether it's the health stack whether it's ondc it'll involve like open participation from private players in the market as well so i am super optimistic about you know what ondc can do for india and i'm you know if bunch of these things kick in whether it's the health stack the account aggregators framework um, you know ondc various other things right it's, it's going to be an amazing decade for us right i mean it's we're going to simply transform this decade because even simple things right i mean you you think of something like fast tag the fact that you know trucks don't have to wait at you know pole booths to pay stuff right uh, is such a huge difference it, it makes such a huge difference in productivity right and in collections also right yeah so so yeah i mean i think if a bunch of these things you know play out it'll be a fantastic decade for india and kudos to mr nandan nilekani i think he has been you know truly worthy of a bharat ratna i would say for india i mean phenomenal phenomenal achievement uh and the person's drive is so inspiring you know i mean a man who has probably achieved everything right still so enthusiastic about causing a change i think he is an inspiration for uh, you know all young indians yeah absolutely but the way i see ondc right it's also like an enabler for the people will be using the platform the other msmes the retailers and stuff because if if you look i mean in, in the e-commerce the traditional e-commerce space you have seen what the likes of thrasio are doing thrasio mensa yeah. right these companies are helping other retailers you know gain the advantage with digital platforms being a cause helping helping them capitalize on it and then scaling these businesses up i feel ondc is going to become a platform for merchants across the country yeah. like that and in fact they're already partnering with a lot of players uh, they partnered with e samuday already mm. for erp management they're partnering with gofrugal for marketing there's growth falcon uh there is seller app for automation and data insights yeah. right and um, all 80 firms currently are at some stage or the other of integrations with the platform yeah. e samudra in fact uh, the founder anupai was mm. on our podcast uh, sometime back and he was talking about how digital can enable communities and uh, commerce to thrive right in all of these uh, tier two cities villages and so on so so yeah i mean it's it's really remarkable the amount of potential that it has yeah i mean it's not only in the you know broader e-commerce industry where we are seeing such uh, partnerships open up but recently kalyan krishna murthy who is the ceo of flipkart group uh, in one of their company townouts announced that e-cart can now be used by other uh, e-commerce players to manage uh, their logistics and delivery and uh, already it has added about 30 clients and is looking to onboard more as it doubles down its internal logistics infrastructure nike first sky and others are potential customers of this uh, initiative 
But interestingly, this is also not the first time that you know Flipkart has tried to yeah. let other players use e card because when Walmart took over the Flipkart group in 2018. There were talks uh, going on for this, but it really wasn't double down on it. But yeah, I mean, right now, I'm sure while eCard is opening up its uh, doors to other players, but for some of its direct competitors like Misho and all, I don't think they would be allowing them to use it. No, I think there might be riders uh, in place as to who they will work with and so on. But, you know, interestingly, on the last roundup, we spoke about how, you know, hypergrowth businesses have to bundle and unbundle their core, right? What is core business to them? So we we spoke about it in context of Swiggy uh, investing in Rapido, I think, right? right? Yes. So so clearly for Swiggy, you know, the whole logistics and delivery aspect of it is at this point in their journey, they don't feel that it's absolutely core for them to manage that, right? And you're seeing kind of a reverse approach with Flipkart, right? At Flipkart stage in the business, they feel that e-card or the the delivery and the logistics aspect is significant enough to spin it off as a business itself. Right. Uh, we've seen how PhonePay, for example, operates separately, and it's a Amazing acquisition, mm. right? I mean, that, that Flipkart did. So, yeah, very interesting. And uh, I think, you know, it's also recognizing the fact that, you know, e-commerce in India will be beyond uh, an Amazon or a Flipkart. Uh, you know, we, we talked about, you know, how some of the social commerce and stuff is kicking in, right? Uh, where a lot of this plug-and-play infrastructure on uh, tech, tech and logistics and all of that will help micro-entrepreneurs. So, this is also a recognition of that, you know, and... Of course, you know, Flipkart has been operating for the last, you know, 10 or 15 years uh, and they've built up a huge amount of expertise in delivery, right? I mean, they probably deliver to more PIN codes uh, in India than anyone else, Correct. perhaps, yeah. right? So, 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 yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting. And also this ties up with the next item of news that we'll be discussing. This whole gig economy, right? Especially um, with folks like, you know, delivery executives or logistics partners, uh, riders. This has opened up such a major uh, source hmm. of like jobs in the country right of course this took a hit when the pandemic set in in 2020 but right now it's again making a comeback and uh, in fact it's going so strong right that swiggy recently announced that the a launch of a career development program for its uh, fleet executives uh, called step ahead hmm. now with this program they want to reach out to the delivery partners like who have completed i think two years with swiggy and train them to become managers to manage the manage the fleet interesting i mean imagine at what scale that's that's growing yeah and of course i mean this also kind of like makes you want to draw parallels to what's happening with companies like grab and goja which are like super platforms in southeast asia yeah what's your take on that yeah no i mean uh, I, I think that's this is amazing see with these partners and everything i think swiggy has kind of realized that they have to offer some kind of long-term career growth for them right they can't use them in a very transactional fashion. And I even think that, you know, tomorrow we might have a case where some of them graduate to have agencies of people, uh, right? And they will work with Swiggy as agencies. You know, anyone who says that, you know, unemployment is a huge problem in India, and it is, I'm not belittling the problem, right? Should just look at what a, what a huge demand uh, there is for all these kind of people, right? Delivery personnel, drivers, chefs, you know, plumbers, carpenters, etc. There's a huge, huge, huge demand for this, you know, semi, semi-skilled, skilled labor as such, right? Mm. And uh, Swiggy treating its partners as truly partners is, is a very heartening thing, I think. Others will definitely follow, you know, because there was also some controversy on the fact that these guys are not employees. So, yeah. it I makes mean, it, it... Sorry, but if you remember the case with Uber, I mean, there were 
I mean, it, it was really big. I think it was in US where they said that this washroom should not be used by you know driver partners or something. It was just for employees only. Right. Of course, a huge outcry. No, there there is uh, a disc, you know discretion in terms of how they treat employees versus partners. But I think employees and I mean and the, I think partners are the core of their business, right? Uh, so they do realize and and recognize that it's really important. Uh, we had the case of urban company as well, right? I mean, there were a few protests and so on. uh i think all of them kind of realize right and and that's why i mean they're you know helping with insurance uh helping with these value added services so that it becomes a viable career for someone right and, and they can actually graduate and it's not very transactional because see the next you know 100000 maybe like 100000 jobs or or so right i mean mm. the next few jobs will not come from you know being a bank employee right i mean mm. already i mean if you look at these bank exams i mean the demand supply is like so skewed right i mean there's so many people writing for so few jobs so the next you know 100000s jobs right next few jobs will come from these kind of uh, uh, enterprises right. right and i think so that that's why i mean it's very very important for the economy i feel yeah, yeah. cool uh, let's move on to some uh, more funding related news from the week uh, inshotech platform turtlement has raised about 120 million dollars in a series e fundraise which is led by Uh, Amansa Capital, Jungle Ventures, and Nexus Venture Partners. Uh, although the company hasn't really disclosed the valuation for the current fundraise, uh, clo- sources say that it's valued close to nine hundred to nine hundred fifty million dollars. Uh, so, uh, Turtlement is a digital platform which is designed to help financial advisors understand and distribute insurance to their community of customers. This really wonderfully ties up with what we spoke about, you know, the LIC yeah, agents. Yeah, yeah. And this is. where the digital infrastructure is moving towards it yeah. yeah so turtlement has a very unique approach so they have an agent first approach right so you can become an advisor on turtlement of course i mean you have to have your irdai certifications and what not uh, and their whole the digitizing the entire distribution process um, you know i mean if you look at insurance as i mentioned earlier i mean it's it's sold it's not bought nobody thinks of you know buying insurance one fine day just like that right so it's a very consultative process you end up talking to people you end up getting advice and then making that purchase right so which means that these agents are never going to go away you know they're they're always going to be there in some form or fashion and turtlement is digitizing that entire journey for them uh, so yeah i mean it's uh, it's fantastic you know anything that can promote this kind of micro entrepreneurship is uh, is really fabulous yeah. but also especially the role of technology that comes in over here if you look at the role of an agent right maybe like from the 80s and 70s right it has completely evolved hmm. like today with of course the internet with the whole information out there earlier it was a, you had to just trust on an agent to like whatever he or she would say you had to like take it for that but now with the internet and the information that's present yeah. out there the role of an agent has also become more consultative as you rightly mentioned exactly which is they become more of advisors right yeah. and platforms like turtlement and the likes they're helping people to make that change yeah no agents have to become advisors and this is the case that we often make at vimo as well right where we work that you know i mean agents have to become consultative because see if you look at especially i mean it's it's prevalent even in the us right i mean if you have that one agent or broker that you buy from right that person is your end all and be all for everything related to that right, right. related to insurance in fact i mean people you know don't buy digital sometimes only so that you know they have one throat to choke in case of any uh claims or settlements or whatever right i mean you know one person that you have to reach out to and i myself have bought from a an insurance agent right whether my health insurance or term insurance or whatever 
because you know that there's that one person that you can reach out to and oftentimes if you look at the life of an insurance agent right i mean now that person is in between the consumer and the company or the carrier right and he or she has to give all sorts of answers which requires all kinds of data from the carrier which yeah. that person doesn't really have at this point think of something like a claims or something right and if i keep bugging my agent that you know why hasn't this happened that happened whatever he has to go and fetch the data from somewhere right and that data if it's all digital right and if that guy has a very streamlined dashboard on an app saying that hey you know what it's processing these are two three things that are pending here is when the expected you know time for resolution is i mean it can be amazing you think about like when you have a problem with swiggy or something the order is refunded or the case is settled in a matter of minutes Yeah. right now why can't that kind of experience happen mm-hmm. for insurance you know and and that's where innovations like wimo or even turtlement really help yeah yeah some other uh, fundings from the week included that of uh, genie mode which is a b2b tech startup that raised 28 million dollars from tiger global and info uh, edge ventures healthcare startup are you health uh, raised 27 million dollars from the fundamentum partnership 57 stars keep your investments Stellaris Venture Partners, Vertex Ventures, Alteria Capital, and others. True Meds, which is a telehealth platform, raised twenty-two million dollars from Westbridge Capital, InfoEdge Ventures, Asha Impact, and IAN Fund. Drone startup Idea Forge raised twenty million dollars from Florentry, Celesta Capital, Infosys, Qualcomm, uh, Infina, and Exim Bank of India. FinTech startup Zenda raised nine point four million dollars from STV, Kotu, Global Founders Capital, and VentureSook. EV startup Bigos. Raised 6.8 million dollars from a group of investors, which was led by Darshan Patel, who is the founder of Vinay Cosmetics. Tractor Junction, which is another rural vehicle marketplace, raised 5.7 million dollars from InfoEdge Ventures, Omnivore, Act Funder, Grow Impact Fund, and others. It's really interesting mix. I mean, we have from yeah. uh, health tech, we have from B two B space, and uh, again, it's good to see that a lot yeah. of uh, you know. No, I'm super excited about Idea Forge, man. I think they're doing some fantastic work, and uh, we've spoken about drones on that episode with Vipul, right? Uh, yeah. Of Ara One Man Systems. I think you know, I mean, this whole drone technology and stuff can have like transformative effects on the economy. So, so I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, along with this, there was a recent tweet by Piyush Goel. Uh, sorry, not a tweet, but he was addressing a conference where he said that he was actually urging. you know founders to set up companies in india rather than move abroad you know to save taxes and stuff and he also set up a very lofty goal of you know by having th- 1000 unicorns by the end by the end of 2030 it's a very <laughs> yeah. tall goal i think i no, think Mr. we are five away from hitting the 100 mark right now yeah no mr piyush goel is extremely dynamic very entrepreneurial person right has a, a reputation to get things done uh, right and uh, yeah look this Uh, I saw this tweet on my timeline, and there were a bunch of snarky replies to it, saying that hey, nobody really you know sets up uh, a registration in uh, you know in the US or elsewhere, Delaware or you know uh, all of those places uh, to avoid taxes. I mean, it's it's more so that you know funding is streamlined and you know a, a bunch of other not just market accessibility, but also I mean, I think foreign remittances in India, I think it's a, it's a problem the way it's handled, right? There are plenty of cases of founders closing around and you know waiting for months together for the money to hit the bank, uh, and and the way these private banks operate as well, you know, you you name it, right? Mm. Uh, they're very antsy about it, and um, it's very sarkari in nature, right? So so with that is the reason why I mean people kind of set up uh, outside, you know, I mean it's not not entirely because they want 
you know tax havens as such right so yeah i mean i think the ministry is well aware of the problem and uh, they're trying to solve some of this stuff we've spoken about you know how forward thinking india has been in terms of tech policy and stuff uh, and this whole ease of doing business i mean we've been you know slowly climbing up the ranks over the last 4 5 years especially i really hope that you know something comes about right i mean that we're able to streamline this uh, policy and stuff uh maybe we should cover some of this policy stuff on a separate episode with someone who would be an expert on on this stuff yeah right yeah and also good to say i think it was sometime this month only where we dis- we were talking about the various partnership with the center is running with the state yeah. to set up all of these you know incubation centers research centers i think yeah. most recently rbi set up a innovation hub in bangalore yeah. earlier there was uh, another innovation center which was set up in telangana right right see most startups just want the government to get out of the way right and uh, you know if you look at indian it that's really how it progressed so yeah i mean uh, let's hope those things are streamlined you know yeah so uh roshan i think uh, this week unfortunately we were not able to put out any episodes right but you have really amazing conversations lined up with chirag of goquick and uh, kalpit of netcore yeah right uh, what are you looking forward to talking to them about So I'm really looking forward to both these conversations you know we've spoken about Netcore uh, earlier in the context of their acquisition of Unboxed uh, right I mean they're a you know 20 year plus uh, business and they have this very interesting marketing automation suite of products so Kalpit is the CEO of Netcore and I'm really looking forward to understanding how he kind of sees the future right and how they want to build that out uh, GoQuick is again a very interesting business in the e-commerce uh, segment you know we've spoken about plenty of these uh, Uh, businesses that are serving e-commerce itself right e-commerce is a significant market in itself that you know b- people are building for e-commerce like how people build for a particular market right i mean whether it's uh, you know healthcare or whatever it is uh, so so yeah i mean i'm really truly looking forward to talking to both of these uh, folks should be interesting conversations so yeah awesome so if there are any specific questions which you would uh, like us to ask to the people we interview in the podcast do tweet them uh, to us at our handle operator startup also a huge shout out to anil dhiraj hemang and nayan for the valuable feedback you guys are super fans uh, for the week i always appreciate such support uh, from you guys and yeah roshan this is a very amazing conversation yeah I uh, really enjoyed having this chat with you on this sun- Sunday afternoon. Always a good uh, conversation when it's live and not yeah. in front of <laughs> not in front <laughs> not of the monitor. Not just staring at a screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thanks so much guys. Yeah. Really appreciate your support and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you guys on another episode.